0: The Women's Health Wisdom and Wine Podcast, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many other women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula, in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comments section or send us an email at info To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larinawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. In today's final episode of the Endometriosis Awareness Month series, Tiffany Davis-Nazaire talks with us about why it can be more challenging to conceive with an endometriosis diagnosis, an endometriosis diagnosis, and IBF, and what endometriosis means for your overall fertility. Let's listen. And welcome back for the last, the fifth episode of the Endometriosis Awareness Month edition in series and... I want to just a little bit of recap. Over the last four weeks, this being the fifth, we have talked about all things endometriosis and we will continue today talking about endometriosis and fertility challenges. And so last week we did a little bit of talk about surgical interventions. We talked about the week before pain perception, the week before endometriosis and relationships. And I think the very first week we talked about just pretty much the basics, the 101, the myths, the diet plans, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so continuing our Endometriosis Awareness Month conversations, we are back with the one and only Tiffany Davis-Nassaire. And she is a person who is living life with an endometriosis diagnosis. Welcome back, Tiff.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of this course, I
0: can't. Yeah, I just can't believe it's we're already here. I feel like it's like the whole month has passed. I don't even understand. So we have, to, yeah, we've got to make sure we find another way to reconnect and bring you on because this has been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. All of the above. Yes. I'm so this to be, all of that. Yes. Okay, great. This being our last week together, we're talking about how endometriosis and fertility challenges um, merge and intersect. So as Infertility Awareness Month is next month, um, we're going to just begin and kind of lead into that conversation. So let's start with how and when did you become aware that endo was affecting your fertility?
1: Um, after we had been trying for six months um, with no success.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I just thought, okay, maybe it's not time. I figured my endo may be part of it, but I also figured um, there may be other things. Maybe I'm stressed. I didn't necessarily say, hey, we need to try fertility. It was actually right. my doctor at the
0: time. Okay. And it's, I, I love that you brought up about being stressed. And one thing I always tell my patients is stress does not cause fertility challenges but your fertility challenges can definitely cause stress because there's so many things that go into, you know, waiting every month, timing that ovulation. Are you ovulating on the right day? Are you looking at your OPK, your ovulation prediction kit? um, Waiting for like, you know, that next 14 days after ovulation to like, okay, did I miss my period? Is my period late for a regular reason or irregular reason? Or is it late because I'm pregnant? All those things. So that is stressful, and when you add potentially, you know, IVF or IUI or any type of assisted reproductive technology, then there's that. Okay, this, you know, every stage has its own stressor. So, um, okay. yes, fertility challenges create stress, not the other way around. Even though almost every doctor you hear will tell you that, oh, just relax, it'll happen, just relax. or just relax, you know, calm down. If you would just relax, you could probably get pregnant. One of the most frustrating things that I hear people say, um, especially to patients, because it's like, are you, are you kidding me with this? Um, yeah, I'm trying to relax. But trust me, people are trying to relax. But again, when they're you know having trouble, that can be a stressful situation. So, okay. Um, and so but before we move on, let's just get some terminology clear and out of the way. Most often, we hear the word infertility when we're discussing challenges conceiving. However, subfertility is more appropriate and it's a more accurate term. Why? Because subfertility is a delay in conceiving, while infertility itself is the inability to conceive naturally after one whole year or 12 months of trying. And if the couple, namely the person with the uterus is under 35, that is that one year time frame. However, the time frame shortens to about six months if the couple is under 40 and about under three months if over 40. So in subfertility, the possibility of conceiving naturally exists but takes longer than average and sterility is the ability, inability to conceive no, no matter what shape or form. Okay, So inside of that, we even have primary infertility. Um, we're going to still use infertility because it's the industry term. In um, mm-hmm. our center, we use fertility challenges because it just kind of is more empowering mm-hmm. than infertility is. Um, so you primary, you can overcome
1: a challenge.
0: Yes, and that's the idea to overcome right. the challenge. Right. Um, and infertility oh, okay. sometimes just has that stigma of like, yeah, you're barren or you're sterile or you know something that's just like nobody wants to hear that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so primary okay. infertility refers to cases in which no pregnancy has gone to satisfactory full term. Secondary infertility is used to refer to those cases in which miscarriages have occurred or after having one successful pregnancy. And if a woman keeps having miscarriages, this is also called infertility as well. So she's able to get pregnant. She's just not able to stay pregnant. And a lot of times we think that, oh, if I can get pregnant, that's like, that's the end game. But the end game isn't just getting pregnant. It's staying pregnant and honestly staying pregnant to term. To turn. So again, keeping all those the game things in just important.
1: starts. Yes, that's yeah, when the game. Yes, that's the start of the game.
0: That's the start, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that out of the way, endometriosis can influence fertility in several ways. Distorted anatomy of the pelvis, adhesions. We've talked about those scarred fallopian tubes, and when the tubes are scarred, it can block the egg from traveling down the fallopian tube into the uterus inflammation of the pelvic structures, that prevents fertilization and the embryo implantation, altered immune system functioning, changes in the hormonal environment of the eggs, and endometriomas, which we've talked about before, those large cysts in the ovary that filled with endometriotic fluid can also damage ovarian tissue, and that as well diminishes the number and quality of eggs, so now we're dealing with quantity and quality issues. However, only about 20% of endometriosis cases have fertility challenges as a presenting symptom. So let's going back all the way, kind of doing a little refresher. When you got initially diagnosed, that was pain that brought you to get some type of additional treatment. It wasn't fertility challenges because you were younger. So talk to us about that.
1: Exactly. So my goal Or my doctor's goal, because again, I was 16. I didn't know. I just, I need to have surgery to make this stop. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, The goal was pain control and also to try to preserve the ovary if it could be saved, but it couldn't. Okay. So yeah, fertility was not really the main thing uh, because I was definitely not thinking about having children or starting a family at that point.
0: Right. So when you had your first surgery, the main conversation was about pain reduction and secondarily about fertility preservation due to your age. How have these conversations changed over time?
1: Um, So, you know, I had that surgery and then you fast forward um, about. 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. Um, It became. Okay, so you're having all these endo issues, Mm -hmm. and um, then my doctor says, well, you've been trying for this long, so let's um, think about fertility. I Mm -hmm. asked for a practice, one was given, and we went from there.
0: Okay, all right. And so when you had a period of time where you were given birth control to address your endometriosis symptoms correct Symptoms. okay not trying to prevent pregnancy but to address your symptoms so you mentioned being on birth control for over a decade
1: over a decade
0: yeah well, over a decade. well over a decade okay so now that you've been you know over over a decade on birth control Was there any conversation about, okay, now you're preparing to get pregnant, what do we need to do to kind of, you know, prepare your body for pregnancy now that you've been trying to prevent it for well over a decade?
1: There was no conversation. It was just like, oh, you want to get pregnant? Okay, great. Let's stop the birth control. And then, well, that wasn't even a conversation. I stopped Mm -hmm. after we came back from the honeymoon. I stopped and... We started trying. Right. Um, And there was no conversation about effects or anything like that.
0: Nothing. And to me, it's it's, it's just so weird to realize that there's no, just like there was pretty much no conversation to get you on birth control, there's none when you're trying to get off and preparing to try to conceive.
1: Right. And
0: if your body has been literally conditioned Mm -hmm. to do the opposite of what you're trying to do now... Overnight, that may or may not happen, and that complicates an already potentially um, emotional time when you're trying to get pregnant and you can't understand why, or you can't understand, well, what is happening? I'm doing everything right. Maybe your ovulation's off, maybe you're not actually ovulating. And so, I want to do take this time to talk about an ovulatory cycles. Just because you have a period every month where you shed a uterine lining does not mean you're ovulating an egg. And I know that sounds antithetical to everything we've learned in school about, okay, here's when ovulation occurs and here's where, you know, it's what happens at the end of 28, 29, 30, however many days, you know, their cycle length. But just because ovulation occurs doesn't mean that you actually ovulate an egg. Right. For instance, if you have a tube that's blocked on either side or both, you can, you're still going to ovulate, but there's not going to be an egg released into a blocked tube or the egg is released, but it's not going it anywhere. Go it's going not going to get to the uterus. So you ovulating, but there ain't no egg getting anywhere that can be reached by any, even with the super sperm, there's no egg that's going to meet the sperm because it can't get through the tube
1: it's like so, you go to the store and you yeah. get a cart where <laughs> there there's you don't you never fill your cart like you're i'm at the store i'm, I'm, at I'm the shopping store. yeah
0: the, the cart's empty
1: the cart's empty
0: the cart is empty there's and nothing that, to check out. there's nothing <laughs> to, literally there is zero to check out
1: yeah.
0: and that is and that is a, such a great analogy and so A lot of people are like, oh, no, I got my this, or I got this, you know, my symptoms or my basal body temperature. When I got my signs, my OPK said I was ovulating. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yes, the process of ovulation happened, but there was no egg released or it didn't yield an egg that could be, that traveled to, through the fallopian tubes to get to your uterus. So that's the anovulatory cycle. That's that's mind blowing for so many people because they're like, wait a minute. What if, yeah, you could have all the signs and there's still no egg and the result is gonna be the same. The second thing is you gotta make sure that if even if you are ovulating that you're and you're looking at your OPK, if your OPK gives you the and there's so many different ones, like the flashing light, by the time you get to the flashing light, you have already ovulated. It's too late. So it's, it's too, too late. late.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah And these are
1: conversations that I Never had with a practitioner. Yes. I feel like my general, my GYN mm-hmm. should have said, okay, now you're coming off birth control. So let's talk about a couple things. Mm-hmm. If you're using a monitor, if you've done this, I feel like there should have been an, some education right. that um, that happened. And it didn't. I, Western medicine is very inside the box. Mm-hmm. let's oh okay we have this we'll treat this but the why yeah. why do you have this and that's been my thing this whole series this whole journey with endo like we're treating symptoms and like you said the birth control helped me live my life but endo was inside like spider man and- <laughs> yeah, right, going to town and so yeah. I feel like nobody thought about that. Like just because you're on birth control does not mean that your endo is still not having a part. Yeah, exactly. Enjoying and, its best life. Uh, and that's, I feel like one of the uh, things that's misleading. Yeah. People don't get that information that Okay. Yes. You're going on birth control. You'll get your life back or you'll live your life. You, you, Probably won't have any pain. Everyone's different, but my experience mm-hmm. was I felt amazing. I was yeah. just like, yeah, I had endo, like, had, like, oh. Yeah, I'm it was good. in the past. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I want to make sure that I say so that people are just like, oh, I remember. Let me have this conversation. Because really, it's about conversations.
0: And it's sometimes about you initiating it because mm-hmm. it may not be a conversation that your provider begins with you and sometimes it's going to take them aback because they haven't really had the conversation many times and so the answer is oh you'll you'll have no problem you know once you get off birth control you'll have no problem you know getting pregnant based on what? Right. I've been on birth control for 10 plus years or you know more. Some people have been on birth control since like they were in their teens and different types of birth control from local to systemic from pills to intrauterine devices, to patches, to different types of IUDs, I mean, mm-hmm. different types. And so your body's going through a whole bunch of changes, all of which are hijacking your endogenous hormones, and then you can't quite understand, hmm, why did I get pregnant the month after I got off birth control? Because just like it took three months to get like to therapeutic levels inside your body, right. I always want to take some intention to clear that stuff out. Clear it out, yeah. Just because you stop taking your pills or you know, take your IUD out, there's some processes that have happened over the last decade or long period of time that you are on birth control that need to be readdressed. Yes. and so having that conversation. Again, dietary changes, things that are going to help your liver processing, cleansing out that those toxins and things that are associated with birth control can be done naturally. you know, but at the same time, there needs to be some intention about it so that you're you're setting yourself up for success. Correct. So this is one of the biggest, also one of my biggest pet peeves, and we talked about it during the endometriosis 101 first episode. But one of the biggest myths surrounding an endometriosis diagnosis is, If you just get pregnant, or once you get pregnant, endometriosis will be cured or it'll just go away. Yes.
1: You see my face?
0: Yes.
1: Y'all stop telling people that. (laughs) Like, just just stop. That's all I have to say. Just stop. Please. Stop saying just relax. It'll happen. Mm -hmm. Stop telling people try a different position. (laughs) Stop telling people just get pregnant and please just
0: stop if a person has a condition that makes conception more challenging this advice seems at best super insensitive Insensitive. and at worst ignorant and lacking (laughs) awareness and i just yes because i'm thinking you know it's not just about the pain right like you know and like you said, the webbing and the adhesions, all of that affects. Did you see all the different parts of the reproductive system from your fallopian tubes, your egg count, your egg quality, your, you know, all the uterine lining, the implantation? Every aspect is affected. And your advice is just get pregnant? Don't, isn't that what I'm trying to do? Like, if it was, first of all, if it was that easy, women, people with the uterus would be just getting pregnant and knocked up all the time. They'd just be having right. babies left and right. right. Like that, because that, that would be the cure, but there isn't a cure and
1: if you listen to society or you and or you don't know someone who's had fertility issues you would think oh getting pregnant like you would think it's such an easy process because of just the way things are marketed and everything and we don't have these conversations um in a lot of cultures when you when a woman cannot have a child like that's a huge. It's almost, it's a scarlet letter, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely so. Scarlet letter. So we don't have these conversations. We don't embrace each other, especially as women. Mm-hmm. We don't do any of that. And that's something that definitely needs to change.
0: And it needs to change earlier in the process, not just at the moment where it's like, okay, I'm ready to get pregnant because you've had y- years oftentimes where things have been happening with your fertility and you're unaware until it actually is like sitting in your lap, staring you in the face, slapping you across the face like, oh yeah, on top of this, it's always that endo and conversation. So now it's endo and something else, another layer.
1: It's like this. You take your car to the dealership and you're just like, oh, I'm just getting this oil change in and out, you know, 59 95 or whatever. You know, Yeah, okay, cool. You know what? Upgrade me to the synthetic blend. <laughs> <laughs> 70 bucks and okay. I'm going to be in and out. And then they come and they say, um, yeah, ma'am, um, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am we- Found that your carburetor and your uh, SB2 and your CV boots need to be like it's yes. like that. It, it's like going in, you your think brakes are like going, good, you're
0: failing,
1: everything's <laughs> failing. We hooked it up to the computer, and you see all this red right mm-hmm. here. Like, that's what
0: it's like. Yeah, that and it hits you like a ton of bricks, as if the that's one it thing is. alone, like having a diagnosis that's just excruciatingly painful all throughout the month wasn't enough. Now the thing that you, again, at this moment are waiting for, trying to do is becoming, again, that scarlet letter that now you have to wear. There's not just the endo. There's also the endo and the fertility challenges. So what has been your experience with conversations like these? Um, We talked a little bit about the myths, but in terms of people just saying, like, ignorant things that, like, have no basis in awareness of, like, yes, endometriosis also can cause fertility challenges and how do you respond with you know without being nasty but also like yeah now's not the time
1: um basically now is not the time (laughs) i used to just kind of sit with their words and just internalize and feel some type of way about it but that helps no one but me Mm-hmm. Um, now that I have found my voice more, I do try to have those conversations so that when someone does says when do, someone does say something that's uh, insensitive right. or just out of a lack of knowledge or just flat out ignorant, yeah, I can challenge you right then and there. And again, I'm not having a back and forth with you. I said what I said. Mm-hmm. Receive it, and or now not, on. or not. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but we're still moving on. <laughs> like that's still the but end. I, game. I'm moving right you
1: can sit in that if you want to but i'm moving yeah, and yeah. i i feel fine knowing that okay i have now at least corrected this person so whether they choose to take that information for good and change the way they think and the way they say things to people or whether they yeah. choose to perpetuate the lie or the misinformation that they have that's on them that's on
0: them exactly yeah. So, and this is going to start going back again to that 16-year-old Tiffany. At any point in time, were you given any specific counsel about monitoring your fertility on a regular basis because during that initial surgery, not only was an endometrioma removed, but it also required the removal of an ovary. And anytime one is divided into or two is divided in half that means there's going to be a diminishing of something so was there any hmm, conversation about okay now that we're working with only one functional one working you know ovary we're going to monitor your fertility at you know specific intervals was there any conversation about how to monitor your fertility
1: no the plan was we are going to put you on this birth control mm-hmm. and to preserve the number of eggs that you have, we are going to have you take three weeks and then skip directly to the next pack. For those of you who don't know, when you have birth control, you have a pack. Um, well I was on depo, but for the most mm-hmm. of it, I was on the pill. So you have three weeks where you, you know, take your pill, which is the hormones. And then you have the one week, which is basically like sugar pills. Cause that's yeah. the, that you're supposed to have your period. I would not have my period. I would just skip to the next pack, and that's what they told me. That's what I was doing for 13 years, and that's how my fertility was being preserved.
0: My eyes are as wide as saucers. I know this was going on and I knew people were doing this, but I told myself, oh, they're they're making up their own regimen and they just don't want to have a period. Or they just are good not having a period, so they'll just stay on their pill, you know. Because there are certain pills that are designed to do that. Just take away your period. You never have one. Um, you have your period once a year or something crazy like that. And so when I hear that, it's like somewhat of like, you're doing more harm than good. And it's like, where's the oath? Where is the the hippocratic oath and all this cuz it's like i i don't know i understand why one would not want to have a period especially when it's excruciatingly painful debilitatingly painful but you also don't know what your period is doing because you don't have any visible manifestations of your symptoms you don't know what color your yeah. menstrual blood is you don't know if you're clotting you don't know if you have any pain because all these things are telling you about the overall state of your menstruation okay. and your overall your cycle, sleep. the cycle length, yeah, and your menstrual health, which in essence exactly. is your reproductive health.
1: Exactly. So I not having any conversations. After the yeah. after the fact.
0: Yeah, and so not having any of these conversations is, in essence, doing a patient a disservice because they have no idea literally what is going on in their body because all they're focused on is on pain-free. But meanwhile, is your fertility diminishing? Is your ovarian reserve being, you know, ex, is it expediting that ovarian reserve? What is that quality of eggs like? Are you, you know, expediting that process? Um, where, where are you getting to? Is, you know, is the scar tissue affecting other areas because you're not shedding that lining every month? Uh, what is, is stagnant? You know, what is actually happening in the reproductive apparatus? And even though you're not in pain, Sometimes pain is a sign that something needs attention. And that pain is like the catalyst to help get me help. help. Me. Yes. yes. The catalyst to get help. Absolutely. And I use the kind of check engine lighting is how we're on this theme. The check mm-hmm. engine light in your car. When it comes on, you do have options. Most people, they see the check engine light. They don't know what it is because, again, I'm not a mechanic. So when I see the check engine light, my first thing is I don't want to be on the side of the road walking. I do not want to be stranded. Right. So my thing is your next stop, as soon as you can, get this bad boy checked out and figure out, oh, is it just like a, a misfire? Is it something serious? Is my engine about to go? What exactly is it? Now, most of the time, it's something that just needs to get a little, you know, flick up, flick down and changed, And it's not a big deal. But if I just covered the check engine light with like my hand or a placard or something so I don't ever see it.
1: I don't see you. Yeah. See you. Nothing I'm to see here.
0: Yeah, but the damage is still happening underneath the hood even if I don't see the light. Even if I don't see that check engine light because I decided to ignore it or to cover it or to mask it, the damage is still happening. It's still ongoing. And so by not checking in periodically, you don't know what's going on and just like you have an annual these fertility checks should literally be a part of that exam
1: yes
0: each time you go in to get checked it should be a woman's right whether she wants to have it or not but at least give her the option to okay Here's your ovarian reserve. Here's your AMH, your anti-malarian hormone. Here's your FSH levels. Here is your estrogen. I mean, all of that should be a part of your workup so that when things start to be a little aberrant or different from what is expected based on age or health conditions, we can start making some improvements or at least making some real-life, real-time decisions about how you want to proceed. Right. So back to endo and how did your awareness of your diagnosis and its effects affect your decision-making processes going forward in terms of trying to conceive and family planning?
1: So um, once the, so we did the IUI, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I wasn't really um, concerned after that because they had to shut me down because I overstimulated. So it's not like, oh, we did this and it didn't work. Right. So I was still hopeful, like, okay, maybe this will, you know, maybe this will happen naturally. I actually started seeing a natural fertility specialist. So I mm-hmm. started tracking my cycle, sticky, tacky, stretchy, you know, all of that stuff. But again, you can have all the signs that you're ovulating.
0: But you, and there's no egg
1: there's no egg or, you know, a problem, you know, the egg stuck in the toll booth, Right. egg is stuck, toll roll's Yep. So it was all of those things. So then when I got to, um, after IUI and then the natural fertility wasn't working and then my second surgery, I was just like, you know what, let's just, let's just do IVF. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, exactly. that the specialist that I was seeing was just like, you know what, let's just do, let's just do it. Because mm-hmm. I have been seeing him for about a month or two, and he's just mm-hmm. like, let's just go straight. Why not?
0: We can get Why you not? in
1: this next cohort. Let's do it. Okay.
0: And so how did, how did you feel, again, not really having, hmm, not really knowing what to expect, but knowing that things weren't necessarily going as expected, What was like the overall theme, emotion, feeling as you were going through each of these kind of individual workups and the process and feelings about the next steps? How was, how were you processing your feelings in terms of, okay, this is the next step in this process, but each one of those steps has its own set of like emotional charge. So how was this, how was that aspect for you?
1: Unfortunately, I was. Well, from the beginning, I was a little apprehensive because sitting in the office, once I showed the doctor, um, this was our first appointment. And once I showed him the results from my last ultrasound, because I had had one of those endometriomas, right? he made this face like,
0: Ooh. like that. Yeah.
1: Right. And I, I, I saw it and I kind of looked over
0: mm-hmm. and my husband
1: at the time saw it. And so that's not very reassuring because this was the guy that did the fir- very first IVF. Per- I guess I shouldn't say that, but he he was, he was, yeah. he was the guy. Mm-hmm. But um, so if you say that, then, of course, that puts a little bit of, you know, a little bit of pause, a little bit of doubt. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah. is this going to happen? So but once we started doing it, I became more hopeful. And, you know, the injections and the shots and everything and then the trigger and then retrieval day he was able to get seven okay But so we were and he was like i'm i'm shocked
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you got that many right um so that was hopeful and then all seven were fertilized so we were like
0: what? Oh. oh
1: okay and then i think on day five Day three, we were told that two of them didn't survive, so we still have five.
0: Right.
1: And then two days later, I'll never forget, it was a Sunday, and he called and he's like, None of them survived. Wow. Yeah. So you're already like this mm-hmm.
0: the roller coaster, the constant the, roller coaster. That
1: call was like, You're the highest you've been because you're like, Oh, yes, we got this. Yes, we got that. You're checking mm-hmm. all the boxes, and then you like free fall. No
0: side,
1: no grounds. Yeah insight like okay let me just hit the ground let me just make impact emotionally and then I can start to pull myself together but it was like a never-ending free fall wow
0: yeah and I think a lot of times we hear these IVF stories this is the stressor it's not the the getting trying to get pregnant and not having that is one thing but then you're like okay but here's the next thing we're going to try and then it's the okay the cost. how are you going and look and, oh my goodness let's not even talk about the cost <laughs> and the funding and you know all of that like how are you going to finance this um right. but it's the stress of how are we going to finance this do we have enough to finance more than one cycle um because you know odds are and this is just you know, a natural stat that it always doesn't happen the first time around right. for some women it does for some people it does right. but it's not always a one and done thing sometimes it's a one and on to the next thing and on to the next thing and mm-hmm. some people are like on their sixth cycle which in my personal opinion professionally after three cycles your mm-hmm. odds are getting you know increasingly significantly. less significantly less mm-hmm. um and there's, you know, but there's always that, okay, what, the next time could be the time. And I completely understand that. But then it's also the, okay, now we're trying to conceive. We've made this, you know, choice. We've, you know, got the financing taken care of. And it's like, okay, now the hormones, now the injections, that's, that's an ordeal. Making sure it's done the right way, the right time, the right location, in the same spot, all, all these things. And
1: then the stressor of like I don't really want anybody at work to know what I'm doing, so it's like how do I get to my appointments that I'm having every other day and sometimes every day when you Mm -hmm. get close Mm -hmm. enough and you're having to you know give yourself shots in the car, you know, just before you get out to go to work because you have to be on time, you know, yeah.
0: Or in the bathroom, in some in the stall, doing all kind of you know gymnastics, so you don't actually touch anything in the touch bathroom.
1: Anything,
0: stall. right? Like, please, I don't even like doing that when I'm like have to like being I'm like, okay, strategize. So I'm like, okay. Spider manning like okay, making sure nothing's touching anything, quite holding sure myself up.
1: At once. right, I'm, so, I'm quite sure I morphed into an octopus because I have hands. hands. I didn't
0: know feet straddling the wall, <laughs> creating a barrier. Okay, this isn't touching right. this. You know, and all doing trying to keep something that's supposed to be sterile like in its original state. <laughs> and then it's the okay retrieval. And then it's transfer. I mean, it's just that, okay, now how many did we get? Is that a good number? Making sure our numbers are good. Right. And then it's like, okay, how many, day three, how many survived? Okay, how many can fertilize? Okay, okay, next thing, how many can actually transfer? How many? And it's like ongoing thing until it's like, hmm. And then sometimes you get to transfer and it is that one more pregnancy test. Is this the time? That process is stressful, no matter which way yep. you slice it. Okay. And I don't, think any, I don't think we put enough effort into considering the emotional toll <laughs> that IVF takes on the body, the mind, and the spirit. spirit. In an effort to get the thing that you pretty much at that time desire the most in the world, you are going through some emotional, physical, and just a mental Stressors being pulled in so many different directions, and so when we talked about long-term birth control use and its effect on infertility, that's another conversation that, again, not being had readily, openly, honestly, um, initiated by providers, and not really good answers when you know it's initiated by the patient. So during the diagnosis original diagnosis of your endometriosis of endometriosis usually we talk about the staging of the disease being of major concern and staging however has absolutely nothing and when i say absolutely nothing to do with the severity of a person's pain right but rather how much the endometriotic tissue affects the ability to conceive the American Society of Reproductive Medicine has a classification system and it's divided into four stages or grades according to the number of lesions and the depth of endometriotic infiltration in terms of how deep it goes into the tissues. So minimal is stage one, mild is stage two, moderate stage three, and severe stage four. I don't think we talked about your staging. Do you remember where you were in any of the stages, either prior to or pre-surgery, prior or post-surgery?
1: Pre, I was a two. Okay. So when they went in, it was, you know, I had the cyst, but then I had some moderate um, lesions, like a moderate amount of lesions. Okay. So it was a two. All right. Fast forward to my second surgery in 2018,
0: I was a four. Wow. So it, all that going from a two to four, pretty mm-hmm. much without any type of warning, check in to see that things are progressing. It while just,
1: on birth control,
0: which was supposed
1: to, you know,
0: make everything it, better. Yeah. But like we've talked about before, birth control control is a hormone. It is estrogen based. Oh. It's feeding the mm-hmm. endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So while you're not experiencing pain, thinking life is good, you're living your best mm-hmm. life, everything is perfectly normal, mm-hmm. like you said, endometriosis is like, hold my beer, watch how I work. It's and
1: times, come on. Like, yeah. Like,
0: the whole <laughs> thing. The whole thing. Hard. And you're not even thinking, you're like, I'm good because I'm not in pain. Right. But what we don't know is like silently everything inside is not going in conjunction or parallel to the the no pain aspects. Right. And so when we talked about your initial staging, it was at a two wound up being a four. And also the staging has nothing to do with the level of pain. No. So you were mentioning you were pain free. Meanwhile, your staging was increasing, worsening in severity. Right. And so this is, again, this staging, this grading system is merely about the ability to conceive and how much it's going to be effective and has nothing to do with pain. So right. when you might hear someone who has stage four, meaning they, that means a lot of severity in terms of the quantity and quality of the endometriotic lesions, but they could be, pain, they could be painless, pain-free versus someone who has stage one, minimal, and have all the pain in the world depending on where those lesions are. Yep. and how deeply they're infiltrating. So keep in mind that those things don't go hand in hand or one doesn't mean the other. So with whom, meaning your provider or specialist, did you speak regarding your fertility concerns? Who provided you with the most information and who did you feel was your best guide during this process?
1: During fertility process? at any Yeah. As you, or yes. like from then to now?
0: Um, both. We'll start with at okay. that moment. So
1: um, during the process, continues. I think the second provider that I went to that did the IVF, mm-hmm. I think he gave me the most information. He actually took my endo into consideration. He was just like, I okay. have a lot going on. I think we should just go straight to IVF. So, okay. he did take that into consideration. But if I have to be honest, my village, after I decided to come off of all that stuff, my um, acupuncturist, my Chinese medicine um, practitioner who is the same person, and a board-certified OBGYN, all three, one person, badass, I got the most information. I learned the most about my body. I learned the most about listening watching, uh, nutrition. Like I had been, uh, on a fitness journey for a while, um, even before, um, I came off birth control. So I quote unquote knew how to eat. I knew, you know, what was healthy, what wasn't. Mm-hmm. but not in terms of my endo and not in terms of my fertility which you right. would think that someone along the way well I take that back when we were doing IVF they gave me a packet and said okay these are the foods that you want to try to eat these are the foods you want to try and stay away from but at that point it's too late because mm-hmm. even you can't have that two weeks before eggs,
0: you can't start changing the things two weeks before and be yeah, like yeah this is going to have it okay.
1: eggs like yeah. the eggs that you the eggs now um, mm-hmm. like if I start to take a supplement now, that's going to be you know in effect months that like months later that it's right. it's late. So if I start now, the effects that I see or the benefits, I wanna see them later. That's not something that you see now. So right. even just knowing that, so to tell people, oh, start eating this, stop eating this. Maybe figure out what their diet is. If their Mm -hmm. diet contains a bunch of crap, a bunch of, you know, maybe you need to detox them just a little bit before. I I just feel like some places are so focused on numbers. I won't even say money, Mm -hmm. but they're so focused on numbers and success rates that they don't take the time to properly educate. It's not all of them. I can only speak on the two that I get to but... I feel like that might be a theme
0: right. happening with a lot and, of them. Yeah, and it definitely is. And I, you touched on the, I guess, the delayed reaction in terms of, okay, what you eat today is not going to change your egg quality tomorrow. No. You got another whole, like, 90 days to, you know, mm-hmm. to start seeing days. some potential changes. And they also need to be consistent. Just because you fasted for a day and you ate, you know, one leafy vegetable that's not the kind of change that we're talking about. No. Especially when you've been gone and eating fast food, foods covered in pesticides, um, non-organic, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, food laden with preservatives. All this time, like that's been the bulk and the meat and potatoes literally of your diet has been foods that are, you know, a lot of preservatives, non-organic, uh, not whole, um, eating foods out of season, because again mangoes in december boo boo
1: and and please not understand the one. that not you know. everybody will have to watch this as closely when you're facing a fertility challenge it is a special journey you cannot yes. compare your even other people that are um, on mm-hmm. their fertility journey you have your own story you have your own journey it right. may mirror someone else's sort of like a little bit but everybody else has their own journey everybody else Everybody has their thing that's going to work for them. Right. So, you know, you just have to make sure that you remember that your journey is as individual as you are. And you, as well as your practitioner, need to take that into consideration. So it's just something to think about when you're, right. you know,
0: if you're going through it. And yet, there are a lot of people who are having fertility challenges. When you, the moment you start talking about dietary changes... You can see the you can see the lights go off like I'm not receiving this. Right. Or I'm not doing this. Or I've got to do what? That's too hard. You know what's also hard? Going through this process right now. That's hard. Right. That's hard. And it's the amount of engagement in your own care. And you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. And that's and that's challenging for practitioners and providers as well. When we're you know giving you the gems, giving you the gold, this is what we can do to make some changes. Like yesterday, like we can we can start you know this now. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to give up insert X Y Z. And my favorite is not being able to give up beer, not being able to give up alcohol. You realize you're not going to be able to drink well, while you're pregnant, right? When
1: you're pregnant.
0: So. I hope. Yeah. yeah, I hope. Right? So my thing is, so why not embrace motherhood now and make this be the move you make for your baby? I mean, I can't, everyone knows I love wine, but we got to cut that out. We got to cut that out. Mm -hmm. I look at it from afar, lovingly, glances, we exchange. But my thing is, you know, potentially, we'll we'll see each other soon. We'll see each other soon. Um, And so I just, again, really focusing on being engaged in your own care because it's not not the IVF specialist, the reproductive endocrinologist, your gynecologist, or your endometriosis specialist job to fix you. They're a partner in the process. They can only do what they do inside that small window of, their their sphere of influence which is what maybe your surgery or maybe the you know IVF process mm-hmm. in terms of the you know retrieval the transfer the, those are the things that they're doing that's their expertise right. but you're with yourself every single day you make choices about what you put in your body who you allow in your circle mm-hmm. what you allow to you know you take in auditorially what you take in visually mm-hmm. you're in charge of that you have some decisions to make right and so when you're resistant to change and expect the onus of getting this done, patients, who you're like, you know, you ask, you know, you know what's going on, what their wishes are, what their concerns. I just want you to get me pregnant. First of all, that's not your partner; that's your doctor. The only person who can get you pregnant is <laughs> your spouse, um or you know, the person that you're your partner. And so it's just, what role do you play in this? Is a big role. You you're the house. You're the host. You're the one who. You know, this baby is going to be living with for nine months. That's not even your. That's not even your spouse or your partner. They're going to be living. You know that. That is. You're the vessel. You're the one that's going to be giving all the nutrients and everything to this living being. What is your investment in your own care and in the care and the growth and development of that baby that's growing inside of you? That's sometimes challenging for me to understand when I'm like. Don't you see the connection? You're you're the host. <laughs> you're the you're gonna be taking care of this little being.
1: And that comes nine to 10 from months. a lack yeah. of many things, education being one of them. I feel right. like we should be educated about our bodies early. Right. Sex ed, adequate mm-hmm. and accurate right. education. Not just teaching abstinence, but let's be real, like mm-hmm. The, we don't know about our bodies the right. way that we should, Absolutely. and now we're having to be told what mm-hmm. to do. Thank goodness for, you know, the internet and even social media right. where, you know, you can, you have a plethora of information, accurate information that you have access to, but you got to know it's there and you have to want it
0: too. Right. And be thirsty for it. Just as thirsty as you are about trying to get pregnant, as thirsty as you are about having this baby, thirsty for the things that are going to actually have meaningful, lasting changes for you, not just so you can get pregnant, not just so you can stay pregnant, but so that you can be a healthier version of you, so that you can be a healthier version as you raise this child. Like, it's not just the moment of conception. And for so many women... For so many people with is that's the beginning and end, as long as I get pregnant. That's, like you said earlier on, that's just the first. First, it's a big step, but it's the first step. That's the in a large ball. picture. Yeah. Water. Water. Water, that's the
1: water. Water, first. Water, water like, yeah, the tip.
0: tip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's just the beginning. So, coming to full circle, what Given your endometriosis diagnosis, what did you learn most about your own fertility during this process? And I'm talking from the beginning, day one, to now. What do you feel are some of the things that you learned most about your fertility?
1: Um, So during my journey, a lot of people say, oh, you only need a little piece of an ovary. You only need this. It's possible. It's possible. My friend got pregnant, you know, and they had blah, blah, blah. So you can take other people's stories um as motivation right. or you know to to lift your spirits but your journey is your own that's the first thing that I learned um yeah. the second thing that I learned is when you start this fertility journey you really have to have some sort of support system mm-hmm. and I do mean, like, family, friends, your village, but I also mean spiritual. Yeah. You have to because, again, it's that roller coaster and then the free fall, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for, for some people that happens. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the biggest part of going through this was the journey of, okay, if this doesn't happen, will you be okay? Mm. I think that was the most important lesson and I'm still growing in that, but I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, okay, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. It doesn't make me any less of a woman. It doesn't make me any less of a person. Um, It is just part of my journey. It's just, you know, my story. So
0: I think that was the most important thing. Absolutely. And I'm glad you highlighted value and worth, because a lot of times, just like hair, just like breasts, just like the ability to conceive, have children, those are so intimately tied to womanhood that sometimes we hear pregnancy and it's like automatically it's, you know, womanhood or um, fertility in terms of being able to means you're more of a... And, you know, hair, same thing, you know, when we see women who have short hair or no hair, it's, it's something wrong or she's going through something or, and it's like, okay. And then it's like that dichotomy and breasts, you know, after you you know, some surgery for either breast reductions or even breast implants or mastectomy, oh,
1: mastectomy. Yeah. yeah
0: and it's like oh is she, is she less of a woman because she has or has and made the choice not to or to have a double mastectomy and right. not to have implants and Chanel she's you know has the scars of the of double mastectomy is she less of a woman and so all of these visual things are for other people right they're, they're outward signs it doesn't change the in the person but we have attached so much value to these external signs external. that we have a hard time separating, extricating long right. flowing hair, long locks, huge breasts or ample breasts, and even um, you know the ability to have children as like the defining parts of being a woman. Right. When it's so far from the truth. So I appreciate you really focusing on that value and worth piece are there any resources we've come to the final time i'm going to ask you this are there any resources you recommend for our listeners who want to explore endometriosis awareness and fertility challenges or concerns even further
1: um so there is um there's a couple people on social media that i follow that um Kind of document their journey. I am April. Christina is one okay.
0: person
1: at I am April Christina. That's okay. my Instagram. There is Samantha Denae. Okay. Um, hilariously infertile is okay. another one that I like to follow. It's it's funny. It's comedy. So it basically makes you laugh about what you may be going through or have gone through so it you know a lot of memes Mm and and things like that so hilariously infertile is a good another good one peanut is another one okay um those are the three that i can think of that really um give you information they give you a laugh as well so and they're relatable
0: okay i like that and because sometimes You got to laugh so that you don't cry, to stop from crying and to break that cycle and to know that, yes, this is a part of the journey and as sucky as it is, you're still not alone in that experience as well. So that's great. So the final question, the last time I'm going to ask you this for this time, any parting words of wisdom to bring it all together this last month?
1: I would say no matter who you are, but especially if you are going through any... Fertility challenges, any um, conditions that you're going through, whatever, just make sure that you do some research on the process. Reach out to people. Don't go through it alone. You know, make sure you have your support system. Um, I also want to say, make sure that you're focusing on yourself because like we talked about all those external factors. But once you start to do some soul searching and figure out, you know, who it is that you are and who you want to be and, you know, ask yourself, why am I going through IVF or why am I, you know, if you ask yourself the why and you get to the why of things, I find that sometimes it makes the process easier. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I going through this? So on those days when you really want that wine, why? Or those days when it's just a really rough day, you go back to your why and sometimes that recenters you. Yes.
0: Um so remember your
1: why. Remember your why. I love that. Remember your why. Yep. It's and amazing. no matter what happens, you're yes. Amazing. You're amazing. You're
0: amazing, no you're happens. worth it, you're valuable, all yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the outcome does not determine your worth. At all. No matter what. No yeah. matter what. Mm-hmm wow i don't even know what to say i don't i can't say goodbye i don't want to say i don't even want to sign off i want to see y'all later yes i know but this has been like really really good and i want to really really say thank you tiffany because you have literally undressed yourself for this month and allowing us to take a peek into some of the lowest lows the highest highs and everything in between on this journey and I can say that even through every single aspect and knowing you personally you have always managed to keep a smile on your face (laughs) even on the days that I know life is kicking your ass even on the days that I know you're like I'm one step from
1: yes Ooh, she got hands but yes
0: bob but you, and we. Bob, bob and weave and <laughs> you show up you're smiling you show up and you're like maybe knocked down but not out and every single time you take this aspect or this piece of this journey and how are you going to use it to serve how are you going to use it to honor how are you going do it to empower how are you gonna use it to build? How are you gonna use it to make more people aware so that no one's an island? Right. And use your own, and not just in this platform, not just on this podcast, these series of episodes, but making endometriosis something that's relatable and not something to be afraid of or ashamed of or embarrassed by, but in community Things can get better. And the more people who just are bound together, tied together, things will change because you can't be ignored. You can be ignored as a solo entity. But when the band of warriors, when the teams, when the groups start coming together, you cannot silence that voice.
1: Absolutely. And so I thank
0: you for using, yes, the shift is happening. And I can see it. I can feel it all across women's health because people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And now they're starting to see that there are other ways. It doesn't just have to be the way that we've been doing it for the last 20 years. There is another outlet, there is another venue, there is another alternative, there is another route, another aspect, another path that I can still get results but maybe not without all this extra. And so, by using your voice again, thank you. You have definitely empowered and enriched a whole plethora of women, and I just look forward to watching you continue to grow as you use your voice, and just continue to be the best version of yourself. So, thank you very much with all thank of my heart. Thank you. you.
1: Thank you for the space, uh, not just this month, but every episode. Thank you so much.
0: And your guests. So yes, thank you so much. Take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest, their contact information, and associated social media channels. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply to your own life. Also, please follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and comment telling us what you're enjoying and what you'd like to see more of in future episodes. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you next time.